0: i
1: and welcome to Tea Time in that Space of the Nth Dimension. I'm your host, as always, Yali Gutman, and with me are three guest hosts.
2: Hello, my name is Yorav. I was here the previous episode.
3: Uh, I'm Tomer. Uh, I was here in the first episode and I'm back right now. Not to talk about Doom Eternal, uh, but I can say that it is very good.
0: And uh, I'm Shalev, and I'm uh, a first-timer here.
1: So our first subject for the day, the one I brought, is about uh, role-playing games. Now, the role-playing game most people know is uh, d and Dungeons & Dragons, and most people actually think about it as the only uh, tabletop role-playing game if they know it from outside the community. And I'm here to recommend a few other uh, role-playing games and to uh, talk about other people's preferences and what they like or don't like about certain role-playing games. So the few examples I brought, for comparison, there is the uh, mo- the newest version of Dungeons & Dragons, the fifth edition. Um, I've rated all of the five systems I've brought as examples on complication, how they feel, combat and role-playing. However, I feel that rating uh, systems on role-playing game isn't very accurate because you can role-play well on pretty much any system uh, unrelated to the rules themselves. So uh, D&D 5th edition, the complication isn't very high, three out of five. It feels very polished and well thought out. There's very little exploits and problems with the system itself, and the books are written really well. A combat is four out of five. It doesn't get too complicated as the game advances, and it's uh, pretty simple, though um, for some people it can be not enough not complicated enough. The role-playing is uh, great. It's a bit hard to rate role-playing in different systems again, because it's more dependent on the players. Um, The second example is Pathfinder, which is a role-playing game system that's based on 3.5, the third and a half edition of D&D. In complication level, it's more complicated than fifth edition. It's a four out of five. even though it has more options than 5th edition, uh, it gets clunkier on higher levels of play unlike 5th edition, because uh, generally the preferable way to engage in combat in Pathfinder is to have a lot of preparation and have a lot of things prepared ahead of time. And then there's a lot of things that needs to be kept track of on higher levels. And uh, that can cause also imbalances because in combat where the uh, players are the ones engaging the combat and prepared, they can punch much above their level, while if they're surprised, they can get very easily killed by things below their level. Uh, So combat is between a four out of five to a two out of five, depending on the level and uh, what's going on. And role playing again, I guess, three out of five. Dungeon Call Classics is a system I personally really like. Like Pathfinder, it's based on the third and a half edition of D&D. The complication is also a four out of five, like Pathfinder. Though I must say that the book is written much better than the core rule book of Pathfinder, because the core rule book in Pathfinder is a mess. Um, it feels, dungeon Crawl Classics feels like the old time games, uh, because it's all about dungeon calling And it's all... Uh, Murder hoboing your way through a dungeon, killing everything, and having fun in combat. Uh, So combat is a 5 out of 5 in Dungeon Call Classics. I really like it. And role-playing, if we rate on role-playing, I guess it's slower. It's a 2 out of 5, let's say. Fate, both Fate Core, Fate Accelerated, and whatever other version of Fate there are. There are a lot of them. Uh, is another role-playing game system. It's based on a different type of dice called fudge dice, which are six-sided dice that two sides have a plus on them, two sides have a minus, and two sides are blank. Um, It's a less complicated system, a two out of five. It feels very thematic and story-driven. Combat isn't very engaging, um, I can personally say, because there's not a lot of things going on in combat, because the system is mostly about the story. So combat is a two out of five, and the role-playing game is 4 out is 5. The last system I, I brought as an example is Exalted, which is a system uh, that isn't quite about superheroes, but kind of super, it's, it's kind of a, a mix of superheroes and uh, Japanese uh, mythology and the Bible and all sorts of sources. And personally, I really like the lore behind Exalted. It's really fun. Uh, the complication is a three out of five out of five, more complicated than the fifth edition, less complicated than Nagel Call classics. Uh, it feels, I really like the lore and the world behind Exalted, though combat and some things can get pretty clunky, but there is the advantage that uh, there's a lot of things that can go on and you can combine a lot of things in different way to generate a lot of things as you want them. Uh, so combat is a 3 out of 5, because even though there are a lot of nice things you can do, it can get very clunky. And role-playing, uh, and role-playing let's say, uh, 4 out of 5, because I, I like the lore and everything. So what are your favorite role-playing game systems?
0: Well, I used to, to play role-playing games. Like My first uh, say experience with it would be as early as elementary school were a older sister of one of uh, my friends in, in friends my friend group, uh, like did a did a, uh, afternoon thing campaign with us, and uh, our parents would pay her, and I I'm pretty sure what she played with us was kind of freeform form uh, D and D. Uh, and I really liked it, and later on I tried to uh, get to another group, and we actually, uh, well, it was called D&D, but when we actually talked to the, uh, uh, to the dungeon master, he told us that uh, what we were actually playing was Pathfinder. And I'd say I didn't uh, experience it as complicated, but I, I, I assume it's complicated to, uh, to, like, not to be a player, but to, to be a dungeon master with this one but I really like it and it's the one that um, I have like the most form uh, memories of the most experience, in, and the most uh, fun uh, I, I had the most fun with
3: the DND I played back in the day was uh, fourth edition and everyone hates fourth edition um, but I actually think it's pretty decent um, it's it's not very d ish and it doesn't have like it, it feels more like a video game that's not meant for role-playing or, like, very much... Uh, it, it's not complicated at all and doesn't have all that much role-playing, but it is very fun, and the combat is enjoyable, and we also had a really good DM, and that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's what I remember. I have not played all that much DnD d really, uh, because I'm more of a LARP guy. I play a lot of, like, non tabletop top uh, role-playing games it's mostly my thing these days
2: so uh, my experience with role playing is actually not tonight to dnd at all so uh, i used to play when i was a uh, younger uh a warhammer fantasy battle and it's, it's a very different kind of role playing so in warhammer fantasy battle you're not making up your character you're choosing a faction to fight as And the way you role play, two main ways, is one, you understand the lore and you sort of act uh, in between players and in talking as your faction. So, for example, if you were a dwarf, you would bring the flagon if you weren't 13, uh, (laughs) which I was. If you're an orc, you'd speak with Z's instead of S's. (laughs) Uh, And the second way was actually building your armies, uh, how you think in the lore the faction would play so it, it was role play into an already established lore world which i really enjoyed because i was kind of a meticulous child i just wanted everything to fit into something which uh kind of actually drove me off D&D D because i couldn't understand what it meant to make a character it seemed very complicated and uh that's a, a different kind of role playing that, that i enjoyed um that actually sounds really cool. I
3: should I should definitely try that one day. It, it sounds very much like for my taste these days. Back in the day I would enjoy D&D more but now it actually sounds really cool.
0: Honestly, I think the character building is as w- would have to be one of my favorite if not the favorite part uh about role playing games for me. I think that the like inventing your your own uh character into a world that was already uh, built and like f- i think focusing on the story and and dealing with story a lot is what makes uh role-playing games and tabletop games so uh not tabletop games role-playing games in general that's what makes them so uh, special and different from other forms of games i'd say because they the, the thing is that you have no limits. You can do pretty much whatever because it's a story. And uh, so I think when a group, I, I for me, it's the favorite part. It's like being in a group and sort of writing a story together. So I would probably enjoy a game that focuses on story a lot.
1: Wow. So you all said great things that I really want to respond to. So I have several things to say. Um, first, I played 4th Edition 2 for a while. And actually, combat in fourth edition is um, pretty nice because, yeah, like Thomas said, it feels like a a video game that was translated into the language of role-playing games. Um, Instead of uh, magic acting like it used to in D&D, in fourth edition, everything, uh, whether you're an archer or a wizard, you have attacks. Some attacks are once per day or once per combat and things like that. It all feels a lot like a video game. Um, and it's pretty nice uh, in that aspect. Uh, About the Warhammer uh, battles, well, Warhammer battles, uh, personally I played Warhammer 40k, and actually a bit of fantasy too. Uh, In both I used to play the skeleton dudes in Warhammer fantasy that was the Tomb Kings, and in Warhammer 40k the Necrons, which are pretty much exactly the same things except space skeletons instead of fantasy skeletons. And uh, it's less of a role-playing game. It's more of a miniature uh, strategy game. I mean, I won't say that there's no role-playing game, ro- role-playing in it, but just a- as a whole, it's less role-playing-y than uh, most things we would consider role-playing game systems. Not that I don't like it. I-, I really like the game. It's just, I don't know, less role-playing-y. It's
0: just like meant for a different uh audience i guess
2: yeah that and i also think it might be my personal experience uh we didn't min max armies like we we didn't think oh we it'd be better if we brought a lot of uh like a balanced army i I thought i am dwarf i sit still i bring artillery even though my army has fast cow the enemy army has fast cavalry so it wasn't a smart idea but that was the aspect of role play so it's it's different I, i i still would consider it role play because you still have to think inside a different mindset in what you're acting so if in in d or other traditional role-playing games you'd think what would my character do you'd think what would a dwarf do
0: well yeah it, it comes off as kind of racist but uh, it works something I heard a lot of people say about fourth uh, edition is the yeah it is like a video game it's not and it's not that video games are bad but it kind of takes the, the special thing out of role-playing games and because and as someone i i knew used to say it uh in a video game unless you have uh unless the developer wanted you to uh put the dwarf in your bag or like jump over the cat or throw the cat at the fucking cashier unless there's a specific action that's supposed you're supposed to do that you won't be able to do it and that's, uh, and that's the special part about, about role-playing is that you can do anything, no matter if it's planned or not? Um,
3: well, that's not accurate. Like, you can't uh, use, like, you don't have uh, attacks. You have, like, attacks. You can't say, I-, I use my sword, because that won't be very effective. You can say, I use this and that. Like, uh, name and attack here. I-, I don't remember anything. But, you know, my, my point being. That you can throw the cat at the cash the cashier, like uh, it, it doesn't matter what you do outside of combat. That's not limiting, not at all. It's it's like like usually like kind of regular D and D. Just the combat, it's a lot of fun. It's it's not super linear or something. You can do whatever you want. Just combat wise, it is kind of limited, like a video game.
0: Okay. Um. I'm not really. Yeah. So I was. Not, I wasn't talking from personal experience with 4th uh, edition, but uh, from what um, my DM used to say, he said it was, I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but he said that there was sort of a video game that was related to it? Or am I like, like confusing things?
1: Yeah, there, there is a, re- a video game that is exactly a 4th edition.
0: Oh, so yeah, I think he said it about the video game. I think he said it about the video game. He didn't say that... Um, he said that about why you shouldn't take a role-playing game and turn it into a video game. That's, what he, um, that, that's uh, why he said, like, that's why he said you can't throw the cat or the cashier in a video game.
1: Um, I have to say that as a video gamer, uh, video gamer, as a role-playing gamer, um, I do, well, actually what I enjoy is something that a lot of people today would scoff at. Uh, I'm not <laughs> the, uh, today with all the Uh, how role-playing games are actually being watched on YouTube and Twitch and that. People are a lot more into role-playing and the story than uh, they used to. In the past, uh, like I said, in Dungeon Crawl Classics, everyone pretty much was a murder hobo, and you'd go into a dungeon and kill everything there and take the treasure. Unless there was this, uh, I don't know, puzzle that you had to solve and someone that you weren't meant to kill was involved in it. But even then, uh, that was debatable whether you should kill the person or not. Now, personally, uh, I really like role-playing games, yes, for the reason that you can do whatever you want, but I really enjoy combat in role-playing games, and I really enjoy the dungeon crawl and the fight and optimizing things. And the same way that I enjoyed in miniature games when I played Uh, In Warhammer 40k, yes, I did a little bit of uh, role-playing, but I also really enjoyed optimizing my army, thinking um, very specifically, oh, this one unit uh, doesn't deal... I mean, I would calculate the uh, potential and the average damage that something might do against some enemies and saying, oh, well, there aren't a lot of, uh, let's say, light cavalry, there's a lot of flyers. So I'm going to change this unit for that unit that's uh, on average better at dealing with flyers. And in the same way, when I play, for example, 5th edition, while I do enjoy um, doing things that are um, out of the box and enjoying being able to to try nearly whatever I want, I also enjoy um, relying on the system to find a lot of nice interactions in combat and in the system itself. Because if all we're looking for is the role-playing experience, then we don't need a complicated system or a system with a lot of things in it that much. The system is there to be aside and next to the role-playing. And yeah, sure, join with it in some things but it's also meant to expand upon it so that there are certain rules that allow the world to work in a more orderly fashion.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I actually never played a game that was very dungeon-crawly, so I, I would like to try that one day uh, because most of the games I played weren't, were something in the middle, like kind of quest-based, more of uh, like go-around-kill-things-based. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a nice... That, such a, a simple idea can go uh, so many different directions
1: uh so I think we're finished with uh, this subject, and we'll go on to our next subject. You have
2: so I would like to talk about randomness in strategy games, so what I mean is imagine civilization or Rome total war or anything like that um, that has a structured world and pretty much a way to win. You, you, you can strategize and you can find your way. But especially in the late game, once you like cross a certain threshold, you think you've won. And something some companies and some games do. I had this experience, uh, I think, with uh, Rome Medieval 2. Uh, not Rome, Total War Medieval 2 they add an element of randomness, so I think this was some kind of invasion from the east in this example, and it totally ruined my game. So I I spent several tens of hours on this campaign, and then was gone. Like most of my settlements were taken, and I didn't feel it was fun, and that got me thinking what other random things are in the game, and I discovered that in every strategy game there's some level of random events, and I would like to know what you think uh, uh, is the right level of randomness and what example of randomness have you encountered in your strategy games?
1: Well, I think the, num- the amount of randomness is uh, dependent on what the, the, what audience the game goes to. Uh, if I could uh, talk a little about what we talked about in the last subject, for example, in Warhammer, the miniature game, uh, Warhammer Battles, then there is an element of randomness because everything is determined by dice rolls. Um, every attack, every attempt to wound, every casting of a spell or whatever, it all involves dice rolls. Now, you could say that because uh, you roll a lot of dice and some, sometimes maybe hundreds of dice in one game, then the randomness, the more dice you roll, the less randomness there actually is because eventually it falls down to, uh, you know, to uh, chance. Well, not to chance, the opposite. It falls down to uh, statistics. And that's, however, still an element of randomness. No matter how well you designed everything and no matter how perfect you play, yeah, the dice can fuck you up. And in role-playing games, that most of which are based on dice, there is the same thing. But the idea behind that is that the game won't be a pure strategy game because the developers or the designers or the makers of the game wanted you to have some surprise in the game. Now, on the other side, you have games like chess. Chess has no element of randomness, exactly zero randomness. Not only that it's not random at all, Everything is known to all players all the time. So not only is nothing random, there's also nothing hidden. And chess, because of that, um, is considered more of a strategy game. Now, I think that uh, games should have, I mean, some games should have both of these. I think most games should have some element of both, even if not in equal amounts. Some games should have some amount of randomness if you're not looking to make them a complete strategy game uh, based entirely on skill, which you might want to, in which case, if you want a completely skill-based game, sure, cut out all the randomness. Completely fair. But I think a little bit of randomness adds a zest of fun.
3: Um, I totally agree. And, And in addition to that, I'd say there is like a very delicate balance you need to hit here because... Um, Like you know, rolling a dice on whether you like whether your first line of defense uh, is uh, will be successful or not uh, is some is like one thing, but rolling a dice on whether you win or lose is is not the same. So um, if you have like you have said, uh, you get invasion from the east. And your game file is ruined because the East fucked you up. Um, That's not fun, you know. Like you don't want to randomly get fucked just because the the game decided that you're one in like ten that's gonna get this um, thingy. Um, So so you kind of need to hit a fine balance here. That's like um, not not gonna like it leaves uh the the person that plays the game with with like options he he can do stuff that are conscious and and will um will help him win uh, even if his luck is not that good. Like he can win even if the situation's bad and it needs to stay in that because if it's not, it's just not fun for person the guy who plays the game.
0: I agree, and I thought about it from a more uh, psychological kind of standpoint, uh, because all game and all uh, enjoyable activities kind of focus on a um, reward kind of system. A uh, and the reward doesn't have to be physical; it can be like uh, sort of a mental reward. Uh, so the same way. Uh, a game, a a betting game, like poker rewards risk or rewards, um, like rewards hold you in suspense and then um, lets the luck be a, enlarges the the feeling of reward you eventually get. I think that the games, um, games don't have any element of randomness in them. Uh, become can become dull because you have nothing to expect and you're not really hold uh, in suspense about anything. so uh, so the reward even if you do well the reward may be, may not be as well and may not be as, uh, as big for your uh, for your uh, mental state as uh, as in another case. But it doesn't have to be too random uh, to kind of get you even annoyed. Because if if you lose, you want to lose because you're wrong. You don't want to lose because you just have shit luck, you know. So, uh, so yeah.
2: So, you've all said uh, very interesting things. I actually tend to agree with uh, what Shalev said a little more. Uh, because it's really important to, like, even it out. You all said uh, similar things to this. Uh, One idea I had was maybe, uh, for example, uh, grand strategy games, which I play a lot. Um, Examples being what I brought earlier, the Total War series, um, the Civilization series. Uh, One thing they could do, which uh, I think would really help, is have the scale of randomness grow as you grow. So, for example, if you're two settlements big and you get hit by an earthquake, you're going to die. But if you're an empire, and one of your provinces suffers a devastating earthquake, it's going to make it much more difficult. But you're playing around it, not playing, not losing because of it. So I think randomness should serve to change your strategy. Um, so for example, you manage to find a winning combination of army, suddenly there's a random shortage of arrows, and you have to change your combination, that's great randomness. It makes you change how you play in order to win. If there's suddenly no medal and you have no army, that's not fun because you can't change how you play with no army, assuming this is a war-based game. Um, So changing um, the the randomness, the level, the size of the randomness, uh, random events as you progress and... Um, tailoring randomness to the specific uh, mechanics of the game, I think, is what makes randomness important. It makes it work in at least grand strategy games.
1: I think it's also a matter of the purpose of the game. Some games, like chess, are designed uh, purely for skill. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that people don't play chess for fun. People do play chess for fun. But chess Uh, conceptually is a game about skill. The person who wins at chess is the more skilled person nearly always. Now, some games aren't designed for that. Some games are designed to be just like random and to pass time. For example, most most card games have a large element of randomness in them, even though they're not entirely random, most of them. the mere fact that you're drawing cards from a deck is a large element of randomness now uh, if you'll notice there are games that people play that contain no element of randomness but there's nearly no game that people play a lot that's completely randomness because people don't flip a coin for fun going to a person hey you want to flip a coin if it's heads i win if it's tails you lose no people don't do that for fun because That's not fun. You're not engaged. Not you're not thinking or doing anything yourself. You're just letting luck make a random choice. And what's the point in that? But some games, like um, well, uh, I forgot the name of the game in English actually. Um, I'll find it in a moment. Is a lolo? No. no, so the game, uh, the thing about it, it's, it's a dice-based game. And there is skill involved, but the game is mostly based on dice. And uh, it's called Backgammon, um, whatever. It's from Mesopotamia uh, from 5,000 years ago. And it's still commonly played in Israel, whatever. My point is, uh, it's a dice-based game that's based mostly on luck. And yet people play it a lot. Why is that? Because some people and sometimes want more of an experience based on chance, and that's fine. I think all these things have their place, except for games that are entirely up to randomness, they don't have a place in our world. Delete them.
0: I also wanted to say, like, a little thing about uh, what Yali said, and he said that there are games like chess that are entirely random. Uh, sorry. Entirely as strategic, and that's true. But I think I I think that the difference lies like the difference where between uh, when a an entirely strategic game works and doesn't work is is it a single player or multiplayer game? Because chess, because it's one against the other. Each of us is gonna have different strategies. So not every action that I do is gonna have the same response from the other player player every single time. So, uh, so it keep, it's still interesting. But if I was playing a game where absol- every, absolutely everything is uh, I can I can, I know I know what's gonna happen, uh, it kind of loses the spark I think because I have nothing to expect, nothing to uh, to be to be in suspense about. So I think that's the difference.
2: So I kind of my knee jerk reaction is to attribute the fall to. And the acquisition by Disney, which everyone was like, oh no, Disney bought them. They're going to shell out. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but I, I think Cars 3, uh, and uh, even more to that, than that, Planes, or not, not Planes. Um, uh, no? I'm pretty sure Pixar worked on that. all right then that goes to show you really after the acquisition they become one entity like in feeling, because planes felt very much um a later pixar movie it felt like cars 3 and like cars 2 which uh two big things i attribute with the uh, this sort of change in pixar is sequels with adding a number to their previously successful movies and trying to move off that instead of creating an original story which they didn't stop doing brave was an original story whether you liked it or not i personally actually did but uh, sequels were a big part of why they stopped uh, growing creatively as well as kind of um appealing to more safe markets so like brave was like a a brave movie but going with cars for a second time wasn't, oh, we have a creative idea about how to present cars, it's, oh, kids like cars
1: and spies, let's do that. Uh, I can give another example of a game that's entirely strategic. Uh, Skull is a game that most listeners probably don't know, but it's a game in which um, I think three to six players uh, maybe you can play it in two, but that won't be very fun. Uh, Each have uh, four cards. The four cards for each player are exactly the same, except they look a little different, but each player has one card that's a skull and three that are flowers. Now, I'm not going to explain the entire rules of the game. The point is that all players know exactly what all other players have at the beginning of the game. Now, things change because the cards aren't revealed and some players might lose some cards during the game. And during some of the matches, players put cards face down. Now, so while it is a perfect, perfectly randomless game, there is no element of randomness, no cards drawn from a deck, no dice rolled, but there is information that you don't know. Now, whether you call that randomness, that another player um, does things that you cannot uh, know, is, uh, well... I don't think you can uh, call it one way or another, because you could say, "Well, with perfect knowledge in psychology and the person's background, I could theoretically know exactly what they're I doing." Think it just depends, and so like, it isn't random. It's randomness. a different
0: kind of randomness. But on the because other hand, randomness, randomness in the
1: that's mechanic of the
0: Nobody game. Nobody
1: has the, uh, perfect knowledge of no a person's psyche.
0: But for and each nobody player has perfect knowledge of person. person's play, past.
1: And so you of, might as well say, a, yeah, the card he puts down is, as much as while not, is not 100% random, 100%. Like there is an element of randomness.
0: They're not sure about and that's what's also going interesting, on Whether on the board, but yeah. There is and by the way, it's kind of funny that you case. mentioned Skull because I wanted to talk about it in, in my subject, but we'll get back to that.
1: So I think we're done with this subject and on to our third subject, Tomer.
3: Okay, so um, moving on and totally unrelated to anything we've talked about before. Um, so there's this little company, there's little um, animation company called Pixar, and I, I suppose most of you have heard of it and. Watch some movies because otherwise you have no childhood. Um, that uh, and it back in the day was known as like the perfect movie company. They released a movie after movie that was considered great by right about everyone that watched it. Like Toy Story, then Toy Story Two, then um, what what was after that? Um, Man, I'm not sure. Like The Incredibles, uh, Monsters, Inc., stuff like that. Movies, everyone, most people has heard of, and almost everyone thinks are amazing. And somewhere, um, a lot of people would put it about in the 2010s, but I'd put it about in 2005 um, when Cars was uh, released. Pixar kind of lost some of their charm. Uh, what made their initial movies so so appealing to like everyone, and Cars, um, like the first example for this for me was, it didn't have any charm, and it it wasn't fun. Like the story was average, the characters were kind of annoying. It it felt like a normal kids movie not something special and like after that they went to release um some movies a lot of people would consider amazing like um mid-pixar movies ratatouille and up and wally which i'd i'd say are good but not as good as the originals uh maybe maybe the exception of wally because that's a really charming movie And later in 2010, as I'd say most people know, they really lost their edge. Um, Releasing movies like Cars 2, Monsters University, and Brave, which just felt like movies that were created like purely for money. It it felt like Disney. It, It wasn't interesting, it wasn't fun, it was just average and boring. And um, I want I wanted to ask you mostly uh, uh, first of all um, what's your opinion, and second of all, why do you think that happened? Because I'm pretty sure there's like a consensus here that and everywhere that um, like later Pixar movies are not that good. But but what what changed? Like why?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I haven't really thought about that in so many movies. It's kind of hard to remember all of them. Um, I really don't know. It's uh, like I do feel like a sequelization, especially later on. It's kind of it feels like Disney. Like seeing sequel after sequel, even if some of them are good. I, 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 my immediate thing, the first thing I think is, I don't know, they're it's gonna be bad because they try for money, and they might get a good movie out of it, but for example like toy story 3 felt a little stale to me until the very end where they got like really emotional which you know pixar can pull a uh, pull something out of their sleeve they still they still had something in them but like i don't know it's uh, kind of hard to pin pin down when they began changing <laughs>
3: um i i i would i i kind of agree with what you're saying but there are like a few problems with that uh first of all i think disney acquired uh like had acquired pixar a lot before that like um i'm pretty sure wally and all these mid-pixar movies which i don't personally like as much as the originals but a lot of people would say are as good as if not better like a, a movie like The Incredibles, which I think is easily their best. Um, That was also Disney. So, hmm? Exactly. 2007, 8, 9, up, uh, movies like that. Disney Pixar, not just Pixar. And also, uh, a few other things, Um, like, A, uh, what you're saying about sequels, look at the Toy Story like, it's not trilogy anymore. It's it's four. I, I don't know how to say that. Uh, anyway. I'm not going to say that. Um, and, like, all of these movies, all of them are amazing. Like, one, two, three, four. I'd say, like, two and four are the best, but still, three and one are amazing movies. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're sick sequels they're just good movies even like with the added benefit of like you know woody for three movies now of course you're going to relate to him more easily um they they used the fact that it's a sequel and made really good movies with it Toy story 2 is easily one of their best movies um why can't they do the same with monsters university for example like uh, uh, Monsters, Inc. was amazing. It it was a really fucking good movie, but Monsters University was just a cash grab. Why is Toy Story 4 not a cash grab?
1: Personally, I haven't watched that many of the new Pixar movies. Um, I haven't watched Cars 2 or 3. I haven't, uh, I think Brave was the last um, Pixar movie I've watched. And uh, I can say from my experience, some of them have, are more memorable than others because in ET, uh, even though I haven't watched it more times than, say, Brave, I can remember the plot pretty accurately because the plot is just, uh, it's, it's built well and it's well-designed and the, the design of how things look is also great. However, in Brave, Um, I'm pretty sure there's, I mean, I remember like two plot points from the movie. There's a witch and uh, the the girl's mother becomes a bear at some point. That's it. Uh, Oh yeah, she saves her from a bear too. There's a thing with bears in the movie. But I don't know, I think the movies, um, the the later movies in Pixar are just less remarkable. Um, there's less except, they're less exceptional, and so they're also less memorable. And um, I don't know exactly what to attribute that to. I think it may be, a, 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 like Thomas said, a long-term change, that it began as something smaller, and not the, a massive instantaneous uh, change. And over time, it's simply uh, increased. Maybe they save on some costs, thinking that, I, oh, uh,
0: say calculating that, that even if less people costs
1: come, costs the costs save costs they make costs. on producing the film uh, will be I, worth it in the box office.
0: And on but and not as much I, as I, I'm not like, an expert in the subject, and
1: even though I'm not an expert, I don't.
0: Mediocrity, I don't know a
1: lot at all about the subject. So I can't say said
0: in the, any the degree of certainty kind of uh, what to
1: attribute to. Like the a normal to.
0: kids' film, that's uh that's true. But I think that's that is because Pixar, Disney and Pixar, but Pixar were, were a huge part of uh what defines what we perceive mm-hmm. as a normal kids' movie. So I think that what I think that after they saw their earlier movie. Uh, movies uh, getting so much acclaim and being and uh, inevitably earning uh, them a lot of money, they tried to kind of uh, replicate the success, um, make it happen again. And what came out of that was a poorly made Im- imitation of themselves, a kind of a uh, silhouette with, without the actual detail that made the old Pixar movies so charming as they were. Uh, so I think that's kind of what happened. I think it's kind of uh, a a need to replicate something that that turned out way better when they did it without trying to replicate something else. Thanks.
3: You know, that's actually really smart. Never thought about it, but that that's a very good solution to that problem.
1: Hello, future Yali here. So, as you've probably noticed, there's only been three subjects so far, and Shalev, the last guest, hasn't had her subject yet. But as the episode is already go- growing to its end... I've separated the last section and put it as a different bonus episode for you to listen to separately.